all doing, huh? Are you doing good? You feeling good? Feeling good? Like I should? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if it's your first time here today, let me introduce myself. My name's Craig, and my wife Patty and I have the awesome honor of pastoring the greatest church ever. That's this one, by the way, South Point Church. Thank you guys for being here. And can you guys all do me a favor? Can you just put your hands together and let's welcome everybody watching online, whether it's church online, Facebook, YouTube. We love you guys. Glad you are hanging out with us. And you are a part of this family. You are a part of this family. Now, we are in this series, okay, called Farm to Table. And you guys probably already know the whole flow of it. If you don't, this, I'm going to catch us up because if it's your first time and you, or, 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 you haven't kept up, all right? This is one of those series where it kind of builds, each week kind of builds on the other. So the first week, we're talking about farm to table, taking the fresh food of the kingdom of God and delivering it to the table of humanity so that they can enjoy the kingdom of God. And it's really been a study, I hope you've picked up on this, on the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is here and now and not yet. And sometimes you read the New Testament and you think that the kingdom of God is only like heaven, you know, but, and that is true. However, there's also a kingdom here and now that we're supposed to partake of, that we're supposed to be a part of. And I said the very first week, I think the reason that people are not flocking to the kingdom of God, the church, Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news, put it all in there, is because we have added additives and preservatives. We've actually changed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and that's really what people are put off by. And so we talked about that the first week, and then I'm sure all of you, I know every one of you remembers the second week. I, I just know you do, right? Yes, it was about Jesus being the door. I'm helping you out because I know you don't remember. Jesus is the open door, and you have to go through the door. But once you go through the door of Jesus Christ, there is a kingdom that we should be walking in and experiencing. And then the third week, last week, we're almost there because this is the fourth week. The last week, we talked about anybody, anybody, Bueller, Bueller. We, we talked about hearing. That's my wife. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Love it when your wife pulls you out. You know what I'm saying? Um, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We talked about connecting with the Holy Spirit. We talked about how to walk with him and talk with him every single day. And if you've ever struggled with understanding the Holy Spirit or what that looks like, I highly recommend, highly recommend you go back and watch or listen to last week's message. Next week, we're going to talk about your identity in Christ um, and what that looks like, your identity in the kingdom of God. And so today, I, we got to do something a little bit different because if all you've heard are those messages, you're going to think, here's what you're going to think, you're going to think that the kingdom of God, once you step into it, that all of a sudden you've just entered this surreal land where nothing goes wrong, where it's just this beautiful time where every single traffic light will be green in the name of Jesus. And, and, and 240 will just part ways like the Red Sea and you'll drive down the middle where all of your relationships will be like that little bluebird sitting on your shoulder saying, you are good enough, you are strong enough, and it'll be the best day of your life. And that ain't true. Because <laughs> there's this enemy that wants the exact opposite for your life. And if we don't pay attention to him, you are going to be very disgruntled at this whole kingdom of God thing. Because you're, you're misunderstanding. You're going to say, well, God's not for me then, really. Because he didn't do this, this, or this. And so we're going to actually look at what the kingdom of God and the enemy 
have in common and where the enemy is in all of this. And we're actually going to do it based on probably the most famous psalm of all time. Um, psalm 23, or it's so popular it goes by the 23rd psalm, right? Nobody else says the 16th psalm. No, it's, it's the 23rd psalm. And they're going to put it on the screen, and we can read this together, all right? If you, most of you probably have this memorized. You ready? Let's read it together. We never do this. You ready to read it together? Even at home, awkward, sitting on the couch, your dog looking at you going, what are you doing, right? Just, just It's on the screen. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. Want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk. <laughs> Come on, that's funny, right? Mm -hmm. This is your chance. Yeah, though through I walk through the valley <laughs> of the shadow of death. Okay, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is so much good kingdom stuff. That is the kingdom. That is fabulous. That is amazing. And here's the dilemma with it. There's so much good, amazing, encouraging stuff in that psalm that we miss we kind of gloss over, we kind of read over the middle part where it says, I prepared for you a table. Yep. In the front of the room. Uh, we, we want the table. Come on, somebody. I want the table, right? Oh, yeah. Good Lord Jesus. Look at that feast. They see, is that wine or grape juice, Pastor? I don't know, but I like it and I want it, right? What, what's going on? And he says, I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. See, we, we sit, tend to think for some reason, it's not accurate, but we tend to think that if we're right with God and everything is going well in the kingdom feast, then the enemy has no right to even be around. We think, we think that once you step into the kingdom of God and you start feasting on the things that God has for you, that you are now void of the enemy in your life. But that is not the case. In fact, fill in the blank. The kingdom feast of blessings does not repel the enemy. It attracts him. Turn to your neighbor and say, preacher going to preach this morning. First Peter, one person, one person. The rest of you, seriously? Come on, First Peter 5.8 says this. It says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And resist, what does it say? It says, resist him. Now, the first thing is it says, be sober, right? Now, what's the opposite of sober? Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Some of you are like, I can't say that D word in church, Pastor. I just can't, right? Um, okay, let me rephrase it. What were some of you Friday night? Yeah, okay. So the opposite of sober. <laughs> Welcome to South Point. So the opposite of sober is what? It's, it's drunk. And drunk people, there's, they have a lot of things in common, all right? A lot of differences. But also, there's one thing that every drunk person has just because of what alcohol does to the body. It, it lowers your reflex rate right? You're, you're not as reflexive. You're not as quick as you were. You try to scare, have you ever tried to scare a drunk person? It's like, boo! And they're like, oh my, he scared me. How my heart went pitter patter Right? There's just, there's no, there's no quickness to a drunk person. And he's saying, and he's saying this, he's saying, listen, you need to be aware. Wake up. 
The enemy is closer than you think. Don't get intoxicated on the things of the world. Pay attention. Sober up and realize that the enemy, you are in his presence very, by the very fact that you're sitting at the table of the king. We want to be in, we want that, we want Psalm 23, instead of saying, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies, we want it to say, I prepared a table for you in my presence. And that's a lot of times what we sing about, what we talk about, but the truth of the matter is, that's not what the Bible says. I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemy. And you got to understand this, you need to understand this because when the devil comes and he starts messing with you, when you get, let me say it this way. When something goes wrong in your life, which, by the way, it will, welcome to 2020, yeah. kind of the theme of this year, right? When something goes wrong in your life, yet you walk in the kingdom and you are sitting at a table of refreshing in the kingdom of God, when something goes wrong, we get sideways and we get a little disgruntled because why would God do that? We're, we sit down and we're just like, Man, this is some good stuff right here. And something happens, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes at us, and w then we do this. We turn to God. You know, you got God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit, and you're like, Father, do you see what the enemy is doing? What the, what? What, what? I read my Bible, and still you're letting this happen? I paid tithe. I put it on reoccurring giving. That's like extra blessings in the whole thing. And this is happening. My kids are falling. And this is, and what, what, what? And, and here's what happens. When we get sideways with God while we're sitting at the feast of the kingdom of God, here's what happens. We make room for the enemy to sit down at the table through the doorway of our feelings and thoughts because now we're sitting in the presence of God, yet you're questioning how he's handling our lives. And the table is in the presence of our enemies, but when we change our thoughts and our feelings, all of a sudden the enemy is no longer just in our presence. Now he's at our table. And he leans over and he starts, and you know if he's sitting at your table right now in the kingdom of God, if you start hearing those little whispers, you're, you're, you're never going to make it. You've tried this church thing before. You failed then, and you're failing now. And everybody around you is going to find out. Yeah, they're going to find out. They're going to find out, and they're going to see that you really are a hypocrite. The reason, the reason your family is falling apart is because of how you acted. The reason your marriage isn't working is because of you. It's all your fault. And we start hearing those whispers of the enemy. And when we do that, can I tell you something? It messes us up. And Ephesians 4.27 says this. It says, don't give the enemy room at your table. Don't give him room. Don't let him sit down. Because this table of refreshing, we need, come on, we need a table of refreshing. We need it. To, and a table of refreshing can be spoiled by our attitude towards God and the way he, we feel think and feel he should be handling what's going on and we get disgruntled and we make room for the enemy at our table we let him sit down and spoil a really good meal because you know the wrong person at your table can spoil a meal can't they you ever ate with somebody that you don't like but you got to fake it till you make it. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And the conversation's going on, and you're just inside, you're like, I really hate this person, please die, right? Um, 
That might be a little too extreme, but some of you, some of you were like, amen, pastor, amen. That's who I married. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> Ephesians 4 says, do not give the enemy room at your table. And so here, here's the deal. He will spoil your kingdom feast every single time. We have to learn to shut him up. He, the table's in his presence, okay? You're not going to change that, but you have power whether you allow him to sit at your table or not. And so if you're not really enjoying the refreshing as much as you should be, it could be because you have pulled up a chair for the enemy and said, why don't you join me? I'll listen to you as much as you want me to. So how about we learn today, last week we learned how to hear the Holy Spirit. How about today we learn how to shut the enemy up? How about we learn to say, you are not, you ever done this, the saved seat, like a, a <laughs> you know, it's like, it's taken, bro. It's taken. Here's the first thing, you can fill in the blank. I suggest everybody write this down because it'll change your life for real. Focus on the faithful feast, not the fight. Focus on the faithful feast, not the fight. This is a refreshing table and it, listen to me, it will always be here no matter what storm you're going through, no matter what fight you're in, this will always be here. Don't ever forget that this is here. And what messes us up, even if you don't feel like it's here, it's here. King David does a great job. He recognizes his feelings. Check this out. Psalm 42, <laughs> King David, he calls his feelings out. He says this. He says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Now, what he's doing, he's talking to himself, and he's calling out his own feelings. See, a lot of times people have this struggle. They'll say, I'm so depressed. Man, during this pandemic, I just, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. I'm so depressed. You're not depressed. Hang on a second. You're not depressed. That's not who you are in God. You're full of joy. You feast on joy. You eat joy for breakfast. You're not, you're not isolated. You're not lonely. Why? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit sticks closer to you than a brother. That he's going to walk with you every single day. You're not alone. You're not... So here's the simple little change, and I'm telling you, this will change everything in your life. Instead of saying, I'm depressed, say, I feel depressed. I'm lonely. No, no. I feel lonely. What does that do? That lets you realize, I am not that person. I am a child of God, but I am dealing with something, and now, Lord, I need your help dealing with this feeling, because I am not my feelings. You are not your feelings. And David goes on, he says, why are you crying the blues? See, some of you just give in and start crying the blues. And David's like, I'm not accepting that because I'm not my feelings. Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He is my God. When my soul is in the dumps, right here, when my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know of you. When the enemy sits down and says, you're not going to make it, you say, I am a child of the king. I have already made it. We say, your, your, your last week was horrible, and this next week is going to be even worse. Yeah, but, come on, somebody needs to bring in God's big old butt sometime. Yeah, but, he said that my grace is sufficient for you. Well, you're not going to have enough money to do this. No, no. I have been told that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. You have to, you have to declare back what God has already said about you. See, because here's the problem, and here's what so many Christians do. 
You just, you don't say anything back. You just endure the fight. You're just enduring. You will, every single time the enemy comes at you, if you are not declaring the things that God has already spoken over you, you will endure every fight, yet you will never overcome. Let me, can I say that again? You, you will always just endure. I'm enduring, I'm enduring. You will never overcome. Why? Because Revelation 12, 11 says, they triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by, come on, the declaration, the word of their testimony. You gotta push back. Don't curl up in a ball and give up. Don't quit. Come on, push back. What did it say? Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may, may devour. Resist him. When you go to the gym, are y'all doing all right this morning? When, when, when you go to the gym, and you can tell by looking at me, I go all the time. And by all the time, I mean I drive by it. I know where it is, but I've seen things. <laughs> and I've never seen anybody get big and buff by going in and putting some weights on a free weight barbell and lay down and just hold it on their chest. What are you doing? I'm enduring. How long did you endure today? Man, I endured 20 minutes. You ain't going to get big like that, bro. What do you got to do? Come on, push back. Don't just take everything he whispers in your ear. He's not going to stop. That's his job. And so what do we do? We get a little bit louder than him, and we declare what God has already told us, who we are in him. Man, that's good preaching. All right, so keep your eyes on the feast, not the not to fight. Keep your eyes on the feast. Come on, right here. God's prepared so much good stuff for us. And then at the end of the New Testament, near the end of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, a little book in the Bible. He starts talking about um, resisting the enemy and, you know, the end days and end times and resist the enemy. And he, in first, verse 15, chapter 5, verse 15, he talks about resisting the enemy, okay? And then in 16, he tells us how to start, how to do that, all right? So I thought we would look at that. Don't you think that's good? He says this, First Thessalonians 5, 16, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ. Fill in the blank continually feast on joy continue feast on joy now here's the dilemma how do you feast on joy when you don't feel like it how do you enact happiness in you when you don't feel like it because we're talking about if it, it's really hard it's really hard for people to have joy and enact joy when they feel they've been wronged Okay, and just hang with me for a second. When people feel that they've been wronged, they're constantly, when you feel you've been wronged, it's always by somebody, right? Somebody has done something to you. So you feel that wasn't fair, that wasn't right. You've taken away my rights. You're coming at who I am and what I believe. Really? Think about that. And so we, we, we have a hard time being joyful when we feel like we've been wronged and we slip into this idea and this mindset, mindset of a victim mentality where it's always somebody else's fault. You will never experience joy if it's always somebody else's fault. And here's what happens. We sit down and we're feasting at the table and somebody has done us wrong, right? And it's their fault. It's just not fair. Do you see, Father, what's going on? It's not fair. Did you see how they treated me? <laughs> ah! I don't like them at all. I don't like them. God, do something with them. Kill them. 
kill them, strike them dead, let fleas from camels inhabit the hair under their arms. I don't care. Just hurt them, let them feel pain. And look, look what we're doing. Look at what we're doing. We have now turned ourselves towards something, a table set in the presence of our enemies. We want that. And God is sitting down here the whole time going, but this is way better. This is, this is way better. This is, I want that. No, no, you just think you want that because you keep tasting all the snack food of the earthly kingdom, but I have provided for your deepest need of your soul. You think you want that, but really what you need is love and acceptance, and that will never give you this. I've given you this. But we sit there like spoiled little brats, always wanting something else, rather than realizing that what the Father has already prepared for us is ten times better than anything the world has to offer. Eat your veggies. Here's the third thing. Fill in the blank. Here's the second thing that Paul talks about, but the third thing that we're dealing with here. Make your life a prayer. And I, and I like that. Make your life a prayer. Um, the, another version of, the, of this says, pray without ceasing. And that puts a lot of weight on us, doesn't it? Pray without ceasing. And as a young person, I would always read that verse, and I would think that you had to walk around, pray without ceasing. So it's like you're just walking around mumbling. <laughs> Father God, I just pray right now. Hey, can you, no, I can't, I'm praying without ceasing. Dear Lord, you stop me burning hell. Well, Father God, I just pray. And we get so focused. Did anybody else read, like, the scripture literally? That, I'm the only one. All right, I guess that's why I get in trouble. And so pray without, but I love this translation. Make your life a prayer. See, just breathing in and out, focusing on the Lord, recognizing, come on, last week, that you're walking with the Holy Spirit, that every moment is prayer. When you think about somebody, Get this, when, you, when somebody goes through your mind and you're like, oh man, if you'll just turn that just a little bit, that's praying for them, right? They fly through your mind and you're just like, oh man, Father, well, do something, that's awesome, you know, bless them or heal them or, you know, whatever. That's just every single day, make your life a prayer. And, and it changes how we view things. It changes how we view things because if you're going to do this, then fill in the blank. Don't allow the gravity of life to decide the outcome of your life. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to preach for a second. Don't allow the gravity of life. How many think there's a little bit of gravity of life going on right now? Don't allow, don't allow, resist, resist. Don't allow the gravity of life to determine your life. How do you, how do you resist that? If you do not resist, I want to climb over this table with some people. If, if you don't resist the enemy in this situation, you will live a quiet meaningless, invisible, non-important life. But that is not what God has planned for you at the table of the kingdom of God. He says he wants you to be a light on top of a hill, salt of the earth, the color in the rainbow. Come on, he wants you to make a difference everywhere you go, and he has provided nourishment for you to do it, and he's provided nourishment for you to take from the table to the world. And then one of the dilemmas, here's one of the dilemmas, church folk, I know there's no church folk in here, but a lot of church folk, they come to the table and they never get up. They deal with spiritual gluttony and you can always spot them because they're the first ones to tell the pastor, pastor, you just need to preach some deeper stuff. 
You need to preach. You're so shallow. You need to preach deeper. Discipleship. Sweetheart, you haven't walked off the calories from the last message I spoke. Craig, that's harsh. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we need to just be uh, not drifting our tail. You realize all of this is on the table. There's a feast in the kingdom of God, and God wants us, has designed us to not be invisible, to not live a meaningless life. He said, no, no, your job is to make a difference in somebody else's life, and I have provided what you need to not only give yourself nourishment, but other people. So enjoy the refreshing, and then get up and take some nourishment and go sit with somebody who thinks they're depressed. Go talk with somebody who needs a little bit of joy. Somebody, go find somebody. I mean, look at it this way. Let's be honest. Can we just get real? When was the last time you invited somebody to church? When was the last time you just paused long enough to invest a little bit of love, joy, peace, kindness in somebody else? When was the last time you took some fruit off the spiritual tree in your soul and handed it to somebody else? Pastor, that's really harsh. Can you just read a scripture? Sure. Let's read a scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, All praise to the God and Father of our Lord, of our Master, Jesus the Messiah. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And everybody says, Amen, Pastor. He's there for me no matter what. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through the hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have, come on, I love how he says this. Let's be honest, we have plenty of hard times. God, that's just the Apostle Paul saying there. He's like, let's be honest, following Jesus, we, got, we have plenty of hard times, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get full, a full measure of that too. I think sometimes we go through stuff and we're sitting at the table and we're being refreshed, right? It's feeling, it's feeling good, mm, like I should. <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm not sure what he's doing right now. Right? We sit down and we're refreshed and it's great. And then we start feeling a little better because we just came through a really difficult time and the Lord works on us and the Holy Spirit works on us. And then like this verse says, the Lord brings somebody else along and we're like, I'm busy hanging out with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I ain't got time. Yesterday at uh, Walmart, we went and we were getting all this stuff for this, this lovely table here. My wife, Patty, was with me. And uh, we, <laughs> we were in line, and the lady at the cash register, sweet lady uh, in Whitehaven, she's checking us out. And she didn't say anything. She was kind of phased, dazed or whatever. And so she checks out like half the stuff. And I look at her and go, how are you doing today? And she went, oh, I am so sorry. I should have asked you first. I said, it's okay. How are you doing today? And she said, well, honestly, I just, I'm a little dazed because I just found out that one of my friends, she was 35 years old and she just didn't wake up this morning. I just found out that she passed away. And since Patty knew I screwed it up last time we were at Walmart, <laughs> she didn't wait one second. She just stepped up and said, can I pray for you? I'm like, I do right there. Because I'm, I'm a little busy, right? What? <laughs> And she just prayed for her real quick. Did you lead her to the Lord? It's not the point. The point was, she needed some kindness. She needed some compassion. 
She needed somebody just to slow down for a second to just say, I see you. I see, I, I see you. And you're more than welcome. Here's the last fill in the blank. And yes, there's going to be some commotion because the band is going to come up and join me. So that's, relax. I know that that's going to happen. Um, people are not bum rushing the stage. Here's the fourth one. The Apostle Paul says this in that verse. He says, in the midst of everything. Is anybody going through everything right now? So like, 2020 is you're not going through something. Come on. <laughs> we're we going through everything. Like, if it wasn't bad enough, killer hornets? Really? Seriously? Um, you know, I just, it's just like, what, what, what? Going through everything, when you go through everything, give thanks. See, if you want the voice of enemy, the enemy to stop in your ear, be loudly grateful. If you want the voice of the enemy to stop in your head, in your heart, in your soul, be loudly grateful. When he sits down, some of you have allowed him to sit at your table way too long. It's time for you to kick him out of your table. It's always going to be in his presence, right? But let's go ahead and just keep him over there. And when he's at your table right now and he's saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Don't argue with him. Doesn't matter. I mean, you can declare the things of God, right? I mean, that's what you should do. But you can also do this. Look at all that food! Isn't it funny? We pray and argue for little morsels that the world offers us while we're sitting at a feast that the king has prepared. What if we all just turned and became so obnoxiously grateful for what God has prepared for us in the kingdom of God? You wouldn't have time to hear the enemy talk to you and tell you how no good you are because every time he said, you're nothing, you're like, look at this apple! Look at all the fruit. Look, I have clothes on my back. Yes, I ate food this morning. I have a car in the driveway. And more than any of those materialistic things, you have friends and family. And if that wasn't enough, did you know that somebody actually paid the price so that your sins could be removed and your life could be set free? Did you know that somebody provided a way? for you to have freedom from the habit that you've been trying to kick for so long. In fact, the enemy tells you all the time, oh, you said you were going to kick this habit before. It'll be back. I'm not going anywhere. Yes, he is. So here's what I've asked the band to do. We're going to sing a song. And I want all of us to sing this song. It's the goodness of God. That's the name of the song. And some of you might be, that's such an old song. Well, it was either that or Amazing Grace. So we went with this one. I want you to hear the words, I want you to see the words, and I want you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but right now, if the enemy, and I feel, I feel like if I asked, I think everybody would raise their hand if they were being honest. I think so many of us have pulled up a chair and allowed the enemy to take a seat at the table that he was never supposed to be at. The table was prepared in the presence of my enemy, not he doesn't get to participate. He doesn't get to participate. And what stops that, what kicks him out of our table? 
praising Him and thanking Him. And the goodness of God, and as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him because He's done, come on, y'all, He's done all of this, and it's more than anything this world has to offer. What if we just start changing DeSoto County around, our schools around? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, get Him out of your table. Stop Him from when He's been filling your ear with fear for too long. It's time to get filled with faith. Because if He did it, some of you need to realize He did it five years ago. He did it three years ago. Did you know He'll do it again tomorrow? Did you know the next time you're on your face crying and thinking this will never happen, I'm never going to make it, God's like, baby, it already has. It already has. Just trust me. So here's what I'd like you to do. Stand, will you guys stand with me? And yes, if, if some of you are in a hurry, stop. Unless you have an emergency, stay right here. Okay? Well, it's an hour service, and we've allotted for that. I'm still ahead of schedule. Some of that hurry is the enemy whispering in your ear, you need to hurry and take care of this because he knows if you'll stay for just a minute and actually praise the Father, he'll be kicked out of the table of your life. Some of you need to quit holding on to stuff so tightly and actually just lift your hands and worship and say, yeah, God, you, you got this. You got this. Are you ready to feast at the table? Come on, I, I want us to worship. Katie's gonna come sing, and I want us to give it everything we've got. If you don't, if you can't sing, then put your mask on, and we won't hear you. But from the soul, from your spirit, the whole time you're saying the goodness of God, the goodness of God. Just visualize that you're just saying, not today.
So, Father, I just ask that you're doing a, a miraculous move today through this body of believers, through South Point Church, into our community. And let today just be that day that we remember. Oh, it was that day in August when the Holy Spirit just started doing something a little bit different at South Point Church. That all of a sudden, you worked so well in the midst of South Point that if the church was ever to truly implode or disappear, that the city would rise up and say, where's that church? Where'd South Point go? Because they handed out love and joy and kindness and peace. And Father, let it not just flow into our cities, let it be in our families and in our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we get to walk in the kingdom of God and feast at the table of refreshing every day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys so much. You guys are amazing. And if you need prayer for anything today, let me say this. There'll be people down front on both sides. They're already there. Look at there. There'll be people down front on both sides who would love to pray with you and connect with you. All right? And uh, other than that, I'm going to pray the benediction. But as you leave, after I say amen, make sure you exit to your right. Okay? That'll just help us all out. Heavenly Father, right now, oh, thank you so much. Lord, we just ask that you take the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart. Lord, let them be acceptable in your sight. In your name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, y'all. Love you.